Well, welcome to Westside Church Online. We are uh, continuing our series on prayer, talking about is anyone listening? And we're talking about how we interact with God, whether he's listening to us, whether we're listening to him. So this last week, uh, I had a great experience of prayer. I was playing a board game with my son. He's four years old. His name is Joe. And he got Trouble for Christmas. Trouble is this little kid's game. Uh, You're basically, you just get four guys and you're racing each other around the board. And whoever gets their guys home first wins. And there's this little bubble in the middle with a die in it. And you hit the bubble and you see what number you get. And then you start marching around the board. So we're playing and we're in a really good game. And we're getting sort of towards the second half of the game where it's getting down to us both making it to our homes and it's close. So all of a sudden before his turn, Joe gets up and he walks away, goes into the other room. Well, it's strange. One or two minutes later, he comes back out. I waited for him and he starts popping the the bubble. And all of a sudden he's getting like six after six after six. And he is just lights out playing this game. And in short order, he beats me. He wins the game. He's so excited. He's got a big goofy smile on his face and he's cheering and everything. And I just go, hey, Joe, when you got up and wandered away, what did you go do? And he says, I went to the other room to pray. And I pray that I would win the game. And then he starts going like this. And he's like, prayer works, prayer works, prayer works. And he won the game. It was such a, a hilarious moment. The next day, so Joe's four and he's doing kindergarten online. So every day he's got a couple of sessions, an hour long or so with his teachers. And they play games and do activities. And he participates in it. So one of the things they were doing this week is they were playing bingo. So he had this big page and he had boxes where he had written different numbers and the teachers are calling numbers and then he colors in the box and they're trying to get a line just like bingo, right? And uh, he's working alongside my wife who is also working from home as most of us are and uh, they're sitting side by side. And so he's in front of his computer playing bingo and she's doing her work and all of a sudden she notices that in the middle of whatever activity they're doing, Joe gets off his seat, he goes over to the bed, he kneels down like this and he kind of quietly mumble, 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 mumble and he gets back up and he sits down in his chair. And she looks over, she goes, Joe, what was that? What were you just doing? Says, we're playing bingo and I just prayed that I would get more numbers on bingo. Prayer works, prayer works, prayer works. And it's these great moments um, as we just see him learning. And one of the things I'm thinking immediately is I'm going, oh man, we might have to straighten some of this out. We might have to teach him some of this stuff. Like just because you pray that you get more numbers on bingo or just because you pray that you'll win a, a game, a board game, doesn't mean that's going to happen. And I'm thinking, oh, we're going to have to rework his theology. And, you know, if you were listening last, last week, we talked about how God's not Santa Claus and our primary purpose of prayer is not just to try and get, to, get God to do what we think he should do and all that kind of stuff. But within a second or two, I realized Of course, this is how we all start. We all start like children trying to relate to God, learning to depend on him, learning to run to him with the things that are important to us, learning to trust him, learning to have faith that he can do big things, that he does respond to us and listen to us. And of course, he does. And we're going to talk in the next couple of weeks about our petitions for God, the way that we ask God for things, what we ask for, and those kind of things. But we also want to learn 
to go from that place because a lot of us, we got that, but we haven't necessarily um, continued to learn how to have a, a deeper and more intimate relationship with God in prayer. And so one of the things we're doing in this series is we're trying to, to, to go a little bit deeper and explore what prayer is all about. And while that's a great place to start to learn all those things I talked about, depending and trusting on God, learning that he answers our prayers, even though if it's not, it's not always the way that we think he'll answer them. But we also want to learn to have this deep intimate communion with our Father, our Heavenly Father. And we talked a lot about that last week, so hopefully uh, you were able to, to, re, uh, to listen to that message uh, and to work through uh, some of the implications of that. But I want to continue to think about what our experiences of prayer are. A, a lot of us, we've been told to pray, but we haven't necessarily been taught how to pray. And so I just want to address, we all come from different backgrounds and have different things built into us. And you might have one of uh, many different experiences with prayer. For example, you might have very little background or no background in a faith tradition or in Christianity. And prayer is just brand new to you. Nobody ever taught you to, to pray or that you should pray or how to pray. And that's okay. Some of us, we grew up maybe in a Christian tradition, but there's very different types of Christian traditions that maybe have taught us different things of prayer. And most of them have some real advantages and also some potential pitfalls. So perhaps you have a background in a more liturgical church, Catholic or Anglican, and you were exposed to a lot of prayers that were written for you. And I know a lot of people, and some of you listening have, have told me this, that you found those so beautiful and wonderful and enriching in your lives. But some, or sometimes in your life, have also experienced that those, that ritual got very boring or it seemed at times like it was empty and it was just you going through the motions and, and it wasn't as authentic as you, as you would like. Others of us, like me, have grown up uh, and have a lot of background in more of a Protestant church and uh, we, we kind of came from the other side of it and often stressed being authentic and maybe somebody taught you, go ahead and share your heart, you know, just kind of pour out what's inside of you to God. God wants to be your friend, and so you can talk to him like your friend. And there's some really great parts of that, because we, we are taught that we can take anything to God, and that it's about the heart and authenticity. It's not about just going through the motions. That's all really good. Some of us have great experience in that. But a lot of us, uh, we also have had not so great experiences with that, because it really hasn't clearly taught us to pray. Some days we have a lot to pour out to God and maybe we've had really rich experiences, but others days we go, I don't even, I don't know if I have anything to pour out or I don't know what to say or my prayers seem so boring and I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I'm bored. I wonder if God is bored too. Am I doing it right? Sometimes the whole just pour yourself out to God leaves us in this no man's land of, well, then I don't know what to say. And some of us, we've got into zones where we're just, we're, we're very repetitive and not repetitive in a good sense, but repetitive in the sense of we just kind of get in a rut because we don't know what else to say. Dear God, thank you for this day. Please keep us safe. Help us to have a good day day at work. And there's nothing wrong with any of those prayers, but sometimes uh, where we would, sometimes people would uh, even criticize the more structured prayer in more liturgical churches. We get very repetitive too. It's just the stuff that we don't know what else to say and we sort of get stuck in these ruts and it doesn't seem all that powerful or intimate or deep or meaningful to us either. And the reality is most of us who try to pray, we have some good times, and then we have some really challenging times. We have some times where it seems like we're really in tune with God and this is a great part of our day. And then we have times where it just seems like it's not working. We're not into it. 
And then most of us have times where, to be honest, we've just forgotten or we fall asleep when we try and pray and we feel a little bit guilty. Oh, I'm not praying well. I'm not doing it right. I'm not as consistent as I should be. So today, I want us to, to start learning about what do we say when we pray? What do I say when I pray? What am I supposed to say when I pray? And we're going to carry this from today and next week. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about how we listen to God. Can we hear from God? Is he speaking to us? And how do we do that? So let's talk about today. What are we supposed to say when we pray? And how do we learn to do that? And the thing that I want to I kind of really get across to uh, us this morning is that we need our prayers to be formed by other prayers. If we're going to learn to pray, and if we're going to experience kind of that deep and, and meaningful times of prayer, there's a learning process, and there's no way to get to um, that, that deeper and more rich experience if we're not learning, and specifically if we're not learning from other prayers. In fact, I would say this, if you're somebody that has a good prayer life, or if you know somebody that has a good prayer life, you say, wow, that person, I know that they're, they're consistently praying. They seem to really have a deep connection with God. It changes them and how they live out their day. And you can just tell that that's a, a real meaningful part of their life. Those people, whether you're one of them or you know people like that, have learned from other prayers. Their prayers have been informed by other prayers because that's how we learn. And we learn primarily from the prayers in two different spots. One of them is prayers from scripture, things that we can read, things that we can pray from scripture and from other people's prayers. And people who end up having a really good prayer life, whether they've done it on purpose or whether they've just been put in situations or put themselves in situations where they've learned from these kind of prayers, that's how you get there. You learn by hearing other prayers from scripture and from uh, the historic church, from other Christians who have gone before us, from other people who teach us how to pray. And this is not new. This is how it has always been. There's something really interesting in the early days of the church that sometimes it seems like a really small detail, but I think when we think about prayer, it's important. This is, I'm reading a quick verse from Acts chapter 2. We often use this verse to talk about the four major priorities of the early church. As soon as Jesus um, was resurrected and, and uh, the early church was starting, there's these descriptions of what the church does. And in Acts 2.42, it says of these early communities, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So that's a doctrine they taught about Jesus. And the fellowship, which is people coming together united in purpose and mission of the church. To the breaking of bread, which is eating together. And more specifically, the Lord's Supper. And the prayers. Sometimes we just say, and prayer. We talk about, oh, they prayed, but it actually says specifically the prayers, that the early church had prayers that helped them to learn how to pray. That might seem like a small point, but it really helps us because instead of just saying, well, you should pray something, the early church and their um, ancestors, the Jewish people from which Jesus comes and the church is born, had prayers. And these prayers formed their prayers. So when the disciples had asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, it's in Luke chapter 11, and we get a short version of the Lord's Prayer here that Jesus teaches them. They go, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? What should we say when we pray? Jesus doesn't say to them, just pour your heart out to God. Because they'd probably come back and say, well, what does that mean? How do I do that? How do I start? Uh, what am I supposed to be thinking about? Is there any kind of structure that I should follow or whatever? Jesus doesn't say, well, just go and pour your heart out. Instead, he says... When you pray, say, Father, 
Hallowed be your name. Start with uh, uh, God at the center, not you at the center. Your kingdom come. Pray for God's purposes to come. Give us each day your daily bread. Petition God for the things that you need, but your daily bread, not your yearly bread or your retirement bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. He gives them this short, structured prayer that helps them think through how they address God, come to God, into the presence of God, and allow this prayer time to flow uh, through them and into their life. And the interesting is this short prayer, most uh, scholars will recognize that when Jesus gives them the Lord's prayer, and we see these specific things that he tells them, this is how you should pray, It doesn't come out of nowhere. It's very familiar. It's actually very close to a Jewish prayer that was prayed in Jewish ceremonies and still is today in certain Jewish ceremonies uh, called the Kiddush. And you can see if you, if you put those two prayers, you can Google it side by side. You see some of the same, uh, it's not exactly the same, but you can see where Jesus probably would have heard this prayer over and over and over and over his whole life. He would have had it memorized. He would have heard it prayed in public. He probably would have prayed it in private. And as he thinks through how he prays, he has learned from that prayer. It becomes part of him. It sinks into his mind and his heart and it helps to transform him and it helped him to learn how to pray. So we will learn from prayers that we find in the scriptures, which we'll talk about today, and in church history, which we'll talk more about next week. So today, let's talk about the ones that we find in scripture. In scripture, we find the book of uh, the prayers that the people prayed in the Psalms. The Psalms are the prayer book of the Bible. Literally, uh, they would refer to the Psalms as Sefer Tehelim, which means uh, the book of praise. And the purpose of the Psalms is to help us pray and praise God. And what we'll see is there's all kinds of different Psalms. Specifically, there's three different kinds. There's lots of ways that scholars uh, sort of categorize different Psalms. We could talk about them in ways that we've talked about spiritual growth in the past. Um, Some of orientation. This is what we pray as everything's good. When things are good, And when God is good and our day is good and we can simply praise him, there are psalms of disorientation. What do we pray when things are terrible and when our lives are falling apart and when we're struggling, confused and hurt and in pain, when we're in the middle of a pandemic, when somebody in our family is sick, when we're tired, when we see injustice. And then there's psalms of reorientation that are sort of a combination of the two. They take us sometimes in a very dark place, uh, but then they move us back into a place of praise, a place of trust. And we'll see that there are uh, psalms of all different kinds in that way. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, now, I want to I tell you where we're going in the next two weeks. I'm going to provide you next week with a framework for prayer, a structure that I think will be really helpful to help you pray through every single day, a number of things that will, will just be, I think, um, a great uh, jumping off point to help us all learn how to pray. Today, I'm going to talk about praying through the Psalms, and that's going to be part of the framework that we use next week. Part of what, we're, what I'm going to encourage you to do is start praying through the Psalms, one Psalm every single day. Start with Psalm chapter 1, and that becomes your prayer for the day, and then the next day you go on to Psalm 2 and 3 and 4 and 5, and continue through the entire book of the Psalms. And this is going to help us in a lot of different ways. Now, before I go too far, next week... 
I want you to have that resource to help you work through that prayer. And I want you to be able to have it in front of you while you watch uh, on Sunday or whenever afterwards. And so uh, if you get our newsletter every week, then next Friday, Saturday, when you get that email, there is going to be a, a link in there where you can download a PDF. And I would encourage you to take that and before Sunday, uh, print it out or have it on one of your other devices so that you can watch and we'll work through that together. You can have it in front of you there. So uh, if you have our newsletter, look for that email. Make sure on Friday, Saturday, whatever, um, that you get that email and you make sure that you go ahead and access that. Have it for you when you watch next week's service. If you're not part of our newsletter audience, you don't subscribe yet, you can fill out uh, our digital connect card and we can make sure that we get you on there. So a link will pop up. You can go to our website. You can fill that out uh, and make sure that you look for that email next weekend and uh, come prepared. So today, let's talk more about the Psalms and how we read the Psalms, how we pray the Psalms. One of the things, if you start reading Psalm by Psalm, pick a Psalm each day and keep going to the next one. One of the benefits of that is we are going to learn how to pray through all kinds of different emotions. Some of them will be really good and easy. You'll come to Psalm 23 and you'll read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. And you'll read through that and you'll probably find that it's pretty easy to think through the imagery and the peace that God leads us to these uh, abundant places and peaceful places and, and to be able to pray that and to accept it and let it sink into our hearts and our minds. It's a psalm of orientation. It's nice. But you'll also be praying through the tough ones. And the ones where there's raw emotion and there's hurt and there's pain. The great thing about the Psalms is most scripture, it's sort of um, like we're hearing from God. You read the prophets, for example, and you have the prophets get up and say, thus says the Lord, God is speaking to you in your situation. And here's what he says. The Psalms though, the Psalms come from our perspective. They come from human voice, giving, uh, giving um, language to uh, what we're going through and projecting it to God. And it's really helpful for us to do that. And so we, if you go through all the Psalms, not just kind of picking one here or there, you'll find that you learn to pray through the good times and the bad times. You learn to pray uh, through mourning, through anger, through struggle. And that's a really powerful thing for us to learn. So where you come to Psalm 23 and you'll have days where it'll be easy to pray those things, you'll also come to a lot of Psalms that talk about enemies, talk about prayers that God would uh, destroy their enemies, and these kind of weird things where you go, that's sort of, um, you know, I, I don't know if we're supposed to be praying that. Jesus taught us to love our enemies. It's a little bit offensive, some of the things that we read in there. How do we go about that? You're going to read things like Psalm 137 that are going to be really hard to pray. Pray. This is the end of Psalm 137. It says, Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, Lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundation. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be, to be destroyed. Blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. And you go, wait, are we supposed to be praying for people's children to be crushed on rocks? How in the world are we supposed to pray that? And Psalm 137 is one of the hardest ones. But like I said, you're going to come, if you pray through the Psalms, one a day, then you're going to come to a lot of, of what do we do with our enemies and with the anger or with the mourning. And so I want to give you some tips and encourage you to take these tips. And then to starting with Psalm 1, pray, read out loud, engage with your mind and your emotion, and make these Psalms your prayer each and every day and allow them to start to form you, to start to change you in the way that you think 
way that you think about God, the way that you think about yourself, the way that you think about your emotions, and to channel them through prayer. So let me give you some tips for praying the Psalms as you do that, knowing that a lot of them are tough and you're going to go, I don't even know what this means and how to do it. Number one, here's what we learn when we pray the Psalms. We learn to pray honestly. The Psalms are meant to be authentic expressions, to be real, to be intensely emotional And praying the Psalms help us, like I said, to learn how to pray through grief, pain, and anger. And what we do is we give God those feelings because we don't want to carry them around. We give God our anger. We give God our fear. We give God our most authentic feelings, even when we don't feel like maybe I shouldn't even be having these feelings. Is it right? Or, you know, what am I supposed to do that? So that we're not carrying them around by themselves. We give them to the one who can do something about them. So if we're angry, we will learn in the Psalms that sound very angry to pray through anger. Or in mourning, we'll we'll learn to pray through our grief and our mourning and to be honest about it and to bring them to God who can do something about it. And we allow these prayers to be our expression to him Even if they seem like, wow, I don't know if this is right or proper, this is where we get authentic and we have the voices of people that have gone before us and written scripture to help us get there and to give whatever it is we're going through to God. Tip number two, we pray, especially in these times where we see talk about enemies or or crushing little ones, little kids, what do we do with that? We pray in solidarity with victims of injustice. The really tough prayers, when you read about the, the you know, oh, this is, looks so violent. Like, I don't think we're supposed to be violent. What do we do with this? Or we're coming against our enemies. Um, these prayers don't come out of somebody going, oh, shucks, I had a bad day. God, destroy my enemy and crush their kids on the rocks. These are prayers that come out of war-torn regions. They come from people who have seen their families, in some cases, be tortured, carried off from their land, killed. These come out of places from people who have been oppressed. They're victims of injustice. They're hurting and they're pain. They're they're prayers that we would expect to come in our day out of regions that are experiencing those same things, that all they've known is poverty and violence and, you know, warfare. And they've seen the deaths of people that they love, sometimes very brutally. And so we pray alongside of them in uh, as, as victims of injustice, we join them in asking God for, uh, for justice and for things to change and expressing the deep hurt and pains that come out. These are prayers. Again, they don't come from somebody's just bad day. They're prayers we would expect uh, to come on 9-11 or to come out of the Holocaust or again, to come out of regions in the world who have been experiencing generation after generation of poverty and violence and war. And, and for the original writers, that's where they formed. And so we come alongside of them and, and we feel the pain for those of us who are not victims of oppression and justice, or some of us might be. Um, and we pray in solidarity alongside of those people as well. But then we also read the psalm allegorically. And this is part of the poetic nature of psalms. And the church, um, right from the beginning, has always used some of these things as placeholders. So when you read about enemies or these are the people that are coming against us, and we go, um, for example, in this psalm, the Babylonians. Well, the Babylonians are not trying to hurt me right now. They are not my enemy. We think about who is our enemy. And most often for us, it's not even people. Our enemy could be mental illness, our anxiety, our depression. God, destroy my enemy that's coming against me that wants to take my life. It's the darkness and despair that I'm feeling in my heart and in my mind. Could be physical illness. My enemy is is this cancer or the cancer that's affected our family or the loss of a loved one or this hurt or this pain. 
Sometimes, and our greatest, one of our greatest enemy, the two are death and sin. And often the church has taken um, these, these spots and inserted uh, where we see enemies. We think about our sins that are coming against us that are destructive in our lives and our relationships. And we, so we see, you know, these little ones who are being clapped, dashed against the rock. And, and we think of maybe sins that seem like they're small, child-sized sins, but they're little seeds of greed or hate or pride. You say, God, I don't want these to grow up and become full-size sins that really tear apart my life. And so we ask that they would be dashed against the rocks. And so we use, um, we use the enemies as kind of a placeholder and for us to think through what are the forces that are coming against us and are hurting us or destructive in our lives. And that helps us, again, to pray um, through some of the hard things in our lives. And then four, we pray with engagement and emotion. Sometimes you'd say, oh, this seems so structured, like I'm just supposed to read this, and sometimes the Psalms don't make sense to me. Um, but, but these are, have been preserved for thousands of years for a reason, because they speak to our human condition and they put words to things that we all go through. Where we'll get the, the real passion and intimacy is what you bring to the, the reading. I would encourage you to read them out loud. That's really weird. For me, it's really weird, especially at first it was really weird, because I'm thinking, who in my house is hearing this? Like, do I sound like I'm crazy or something? And I kind of go quiet. But the more I've done it, the more I just bring the engagement and, and the, um, the emotion to it. And sometimes my volume goes up because it's, it's, it's not about whether there's, there's emotion here in the book. It's what you're bringing to it, how much you're engaging with it, to really think through what you're reading. Think through the language and the poetry of it. Think through the imagery and imagine the imagery that's given there. And, and what you bring in terms of your energy or emotion will help you really get into it. So I encourage you, pray out loud these psalms as you read them. Engage your mind, engage your heart. And what will happen is over time, if you commit to this, if you make this part of your everyday routine, that you start praying through the Psalms, it's going to transform the way that you think. The things that are said about God, the things that are said about people, the world, are going to start to transform the way you think, the way that you see your perspective, and, and the way that you live your life, and the way that you pray. You're going to start to notice things in the repetition of some of these Psalms, that really make a difference in you. And the wonderful thing is you'll start to carry around some of these words so that when you need them, when you need those prayers, because you're, you're going through something really difficult, or you, you really need to put some expression to your praise and excitement, some of those words will start to just seep into your mind and you'll have them there for when you need them. They'll get into your heart and you'll just start naturally praying them. I want to read, this is going to take a minute, but I want to read something to you. You remember, um, if you know the story of Jesus being crucified, uh, if you don't, I'll let you know. But Jesus, um, think of him being uh, arrested, mocked, beaten, nailed to a cross, and there to die. Part of that story, do you remember when Jesus is hung on the cross and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sometimes we think, oh, this is him expressing, like, is God here anymore? And I feel like I've been abandoned and all that kind of stuff. Jesus was praying a prayer that he had in his mind, that he had memorized. And he had it right ready for the time that he needed it. When he was suffering the most, when he was enduring the hardest thing you could imagine to be enduring, he had this tool in his tool belt. He had this prayer that no doubt he had memorized because of years and years of praying through the Psalms, which is what the Jewish people would have done, their prayer book. They would go to it. They would memorize those prayers. They would pray them. 
When Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's praying Psalm 22. I want to read it to you. Again, it's going to take a couple of minutes. But I want you to think about Jesus on the cross and how he had exactly the right prayer for what he needed going through his hard time. That's what I want for you in your prayer life. As you practice this, not just tomorrow, but hopefully over and over and over and over And down the road, as this becomes part of what you do and how you pray, that you too, in the moments where you need um, the prayers the most to be informed in you so that you can pray them, that you'll have them there. Listen to the prayer that Jesus had ready because he prayed the psalm in the moment of his greatest need. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer and by night I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Just listen to this next part and just think of Jesus on the cross. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All of you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I'll perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nation shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nation. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship before him. Shall bow all who go down to the dust. Even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. That he has done it. Jesus had that prayer. When they pierced his hands and feet, he had a prayer for people whose hands and feet were pierced. When he was in agony, afflicted, he had a prayer for people afflicted. 
when he felt like God wasn't listening and had abandoned him, he had a prayer for people who felt like God wasn't listening and God had abandoned them. That's the power of allowing other prayers to inform our prayers, to learn how to pray the Psalms in good times, times of orientation, in tough times, times of disorientation. And you see here in Psalm 22, when we go through tough times and we need to be brought back in trust and faith, that God's still showing up and working and he doesn't abandon us to death. He reorients our lives. We have these powerful prayers. So this week, perhaps you would start just with Psalm 1 and start praying through those prayers. Go through the tips that we talked about today, especially when it gets tough and you get to those tough Psalms and allow your prayers to be informed by the prayers of the Psalms, the scripture, the prayer book of the Bible. And there I hope you'll find a richness and a depth that perhaps you haven't experienced yet or you need to re-experience after some time away from it. I want to close today by reading uh, a psalm that this week has been my psalm that I've been praying through. I've prayed through it a number of times, uh, each and every day actually, on my own. And then I've also prayed it with other people, uh, different circumstances that, hey, can I, can I start as we talk by praying this psalm together, uh, reading it and praying it together. And uh, I invite you to pray it with me. And here's what's happening. I'm not going to comment on this because here's what's happening in me. The first time has sounded different than the 10th time that the more I pray it, the more it's seeping in. I'm actually finding uh, this week, and this is how it works, the more often I pray it and the repetition that happens, there's times where like I'll wake up in the middle of the night and part of this psalm will just be going through my head. Or I'll be walking down the street or I'll be working and, and there's just something that from this psalm that comes into my head. It's becoming more and more familiar the more and more I pray it. It's becoming a tool that's in my tool belt, just like Jesus had that powerful prayer in his tool belt. So I won't comment on it. Just tell you that that's what happens when you start to read and pray through these prayers. They become part of you. They transform you. They transform how you think. And they're there when you need them in good times and rough times. And I hope as we read this, maybe certain things will stick out to you as you pray along with this psalm. And if you'll do it over and over and over, certain things will start to look different. You'll have a deeper, um, hopefully more rich experience of what these prayers are as you give voice with these prayers to what's inside of you and pour it out to God. So let's pray together as we, we finish up. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust as for us, our days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. 
For the wind passes over it and is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen.